0: Good morning. I was afraid no one was going to sit down there for a minute. <laughs> Let's open in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing us together. We thank you to, to make not only each individual one of us uh, your child children and have a personal relationship, but then you have us come together as a community ones that can learn from each other that can share with each other that can lift one another in times of in times of trouble lord so we ask but we also come here to learn we come here to understand more about your word lord about how you would have us be your children so father we ask all this in your son jesus name amen Now let's worship our Lord.
1: Good morning. And I want to welcome our visitors. I remember the first time we came to visit this little church. We had been attending Calvary Chapel for years. And I looked at my husband one day and I said, honey, we're going to find a little church. I need to know these people that I worship with. (laughs) So welcome. We enjoy having you here. Um, May 31st. uh, I'm going to read tomorrow's because it's the most appropriate uh this is out of the billy graham hope for today that i'm reading he will give an answer jesus will answer he will give his angels charge over you and guard you in all of your ways psalm 91:11. once a poor chinese woman went up to the foothills to cut grass her baby was tied to her back and a little child walked beside her. Just as she reached the top of the hill, she heard a roar. Frightened, she turned around and saw a mother tigress springing at her, followed by her two cubs. The illiterate woman had never attended school or church, but a missionary had once told her about Jesus, who is able to hear you when you're in trouble. Ah. As the tiger's claws tore into her arm, the woman cried out, "Oh Jesus, help me!" And the tiger, instead of attacking again, suddenly turned away. "What beasts are attacking you now?" Well, chances are you will never be attacked by a wild tiger, but you are attacked, no doubts, no doubt, by doubts. And fears and worry and loneliness and sometimes despair. Cry out to Jesus and he will answer you as sure as he heard and answered that Chinese woman in her desperate cry for help. The hope for today? What enemies have we faced and what pains have we endured because we failed to cry out to Jesus in our times of need? The next time that you're tempted to tough it out, choose instead to cry out to Jesus.
2: Do you remember me?
3: Isaiah 6, in the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. Are we here? Are we ready to be sent? We're going to sing the Lord's Prayer this morning.
2: With
3: the microphone. If the singers would go up to the microphone, that would be good. It's a beautiful melody. If you don't know it, uh, the words will be there, and you can just speak the words and not worry about it, the melody.
2: So,
0: comes from John chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. There was a a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. "'How are these things possible?' Nicodemus asked. And Jesus replied, "'You are a respected Jewish leader, "'and yet you don't understand these things. "'I assure you, we tell you that what you know and have seen, "'and yet you won't believe our testimony. "'But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, "'how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things?' No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. And if you take your bullet, then we have a responsive reading. As we remember those who have made the ultimate sacrifice for the freedoms we enjoy every day, we think of how they have followed in the footsteps of your son our Savior, Jesus Christ. Please hold our servicemen and women in your strong arms. Cover them up with your sheltering grace in your presence. They stand in the gap for your protection. Also, remember the families of our troops. We ask for your unique blessings to fill their homes. We pray your peace, provision, and strength will fill their lives. May the members of our armed forces be supplied with courage to face each day. And may they trust in the Lord's mighty power to accomplish each task. Let our military brothers and sisters feel our love and support. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we know all belongs to you and we know that we get you call for us to give back to share, share in talents, gifts, whatever you have blessed us with, that we should not be afraid to share it, and we should must be willing to share with others. So, Lord, we are asked. We ask that the gifts that we give, the talents that we share, that they be used in a way that is pleasing to your sight, and if not. Show us the right way. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
4: So let's pray. Father, we commit this time into your hands. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you'll speak through me to each person here. That there will be something um, that, will, that will trigger a thought. That your Holy Spirit will, will speak to each and every person here. Something that they need to hear this morning. And so we commit this time into your hands, may you be honored and glorified in it, in Christ's name, amen. All right, so I'm gonna read again the, you know, the appropriate section. So I'll start with verse one. One Naomi, her mother-in-law said to her, my daughter, should I not try to home where for you, where you will be well provided for? Is not Boaz, with whose servant girls you have been, a kinsman of ours? Tonight he will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Wash and perfume yourself and put on your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know where you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he's lying. Then go and co- uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So the first thing I want you to notice in this is um, Naomi's concern for Ruth. And she, you know, she begins to think that, uh, she's not going to be around forever and so she needs uh, she needs a provision for Ruth for after she's gone. It's also interesting that arranged marriages um, are still common in many parts of the Middle East. Uh, we always, you know, in Turkey we've always seen this contrast. Uh, a lot of the village Turks, or I mean a lot of the city Turks, uh, they, you know, Fall in love and get married, and the the two two young people get married. But in the villages, there's still many of them that are. It's an arranged marriage, and I have to admit, the older that, um, the more I like the idea of arranged marriages. <laughs> Just kidding, <laughs> but you know, as a as a parent, it uh, sometimes seems like a pretty good idea. So we see in this that Boaz is a kinsman rede- redeemer. Um, and both Naomi's and Ruth's um, were kinsmen were part of uh, Boaz's family. Ruth threw her husband Malone, but Naomi threw her uh, husband Elimelech. And Naomi would test Boaz's commitment to being their provider and protector. And it looks like Boaz will fulfill his duty as a kinsman redeemer of the two widows on their paper. So she is, she is testing that. And she's saying, okay, let's put this to test and see if Boaz is going to step up as the kinsman redeemer. And then it talks about the winnowing barley on the threshing floor. And the probably the two grains, remember there was a barley harvest that would, that would start uh, end, end of March and then roll into June, first part of June. But the barley harvest was followed by the wheat harvest. And tonight would the be threshed, the barley harvest. Now we don't know whether they waited until both harvests were done and then they would go to the threshing floor or not. Um, but they were threshing barley this night. And what they would do is they would remove, the, their, their purpose was to remove grain from the husk. So there would be a threshing floor like this, um, and we've, we've seen this many times in Turkey, where, and the animals would would trample, they would have, uh, the next slide is another one of those, um, where, where the animals would go around and, and trample underneath the, the grain, and it would separate the, the grain itself from the husk. That's the whole idea of it. And then somewhere near there, there would be a threshing floor, and a threshing floor would be, um, there's another picture. And that's a, um, it's a, it's a wooden thing with stones on the bottom of it. And those stones would go around and, and do the same kind of thing. And again, we've seen that many times in Turkey. But then they would outside the city somewhere, or the village, they would have an area that they would choose because there was a nice flat place and where there was a a wind. And it couldn't be too much wind. It had to be just the right kind of wind. Too much wind, it would just blow everything away. If it weren't weren't any, then you wouldn't have the process of, what they would do is they would take a pitchfork uh, like that and throw it up in the air. And then the wind would carry away the lighter, you know, husk, but the grain would fall to the earth. And then they would take that grain and they would uh, put it through a sieve and that and that would prepare then the, the grain and so probably that's what's happening here because it talks about um, Boaz having a pile of grain and that's what you would end up you would end up when the whole process is done a pile of grain so this was this uh, where they're throwing up there that's the winnowing um, and there would sometimes be a breeze from about four to five o'clock until a little bit after sunset. So they would do this the, the latter part of the day when that breeze came through and uh, and then winnow the barley that way. So Naomi's plan was to have Ruth go down to the threshing floor because Boaz was staying there and he would, maybe he was staying there because of thieves would come by. We don't know exactly why he was down there, but um, but he was down at the threshing floor and Naomi says make yourself attractive, put on your best clothes, take a bath, put perfume on, make yourself attractive to Boaz and he would you know drink and eat and be in good spirits and then and then uh, wait until the middle of the night and then when he woke up then you can uh, make your case to, be, uh, to ask him for his hand in marriage. So what is interesting about this is that both of the, the, the women were taking a risk, all right. Boaz could refuse, um, they, um, Ruth could be discovered at the threshing floor, and the threshing floor was was oftentimes a kind of a place of sensuality. And so, you know, she's taking a chance. If she's discovered down there, uh, she could gain a reputation in town of being a loose woman and All that she had, you know, tried to accomplish would be destroyed at that point. So they're taking a risk. But nevertheless, Ruth does what Naomi asks exactly. And and we see through the whole story that she has been willing to whatever Naomi comes up with, she says, okay, I'll do it. But why did Naomi advise this particular way of Ruth making her intentions known to Boaz. Um, The answer is, uh, we don't know. There is no other, um, other than this story, there is no other instance in any of the literature of this method of proposing marriage. Um, Now, what, what Ruth is really doing is asking Boaz to to be the kinsman redeemer. He has a duty to do that and she is is asking him to be the kinsman redeemer. Verses six through 13. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking, was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached him quietly, uncovered his feet and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. Now maybe it was because she had You know, uh, his feet were uncovered. We don't know what. He turned and discovered a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? He asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. The Lord bless you, my daughter replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger man, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am near of kin, there is a kinsman redeemer nearer than I. First time we learned that. Stay here for the night and in the morning, if he wants to redeem, good, let him redeem. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it, lie here until morning. So um, they... One commentator says this: the entire sequence suggested delicate sensuality and great risks, and that's you know that's that's what we have. Um, there's but there's great risk, but there's also a sense of sensuality in it because she's all dressed up and perfume on and all all that kind of stuff. So Ruth is taking a chance, and she presents this. She she says, I, you know. Uncover the, uh, put, your, put the uh, cover over me. Uh, let, let's see exactly how he says it. Um, yeah, spread the corner of your garment over me since you are my, a kinsman redeemer. And taking a chance, and but Boaz responds and says, you know, yes, I'll do it. But there's a kinsman redeemer n- n- nearer than me. But Boaz understood the meaning of the request very well. It didn't need any interpretation. He immediately responded and said, uh, he knew exactly what she was doing, that she was asking Boaz for marriage to fulfill his as a kinsman. So, as I said, this means a marriage proposal has no other precedent. And especially, you know, coming from the young girl to the, you know, to the wealthy landowner, um, it's, it's, you know, without precedent. Another question that, that I thought of in this, is, was Boaz already married? And nowhere in the, in the text, nowhere in any of the commentaries that I looked at, uh, is that question raised. We don't know whether Boaz was single at that time, or whether it was marriage and this was then adding another wife to his, uh, you know, to his household, or did he have children? We don't know. Um, All we know is we read in the text. So Boaz wakes up, uh, perhaps because his feet are cold, he's startled, and it's interesting that Ruth addressed Boaz as a familiar peer, not as a prostrate servant. So, in other words, there's a shift that takes place in the language. You see it in the English, but you see it in the Hebrew. That she addresses him in more of a familiar language. So she is moving from um, "I'm your," you know, "I'm a servant, gleaning grain," to the place of saying. Um, <coughs> a proposal for marriage. So a, a subtle shift that takes place in the, in the language. And his response is that he is not the nearest of kin, and in order to do things according to custom, he had to make the offer to the relative that was closer to Elimelech than Boaz was. So the other one. Now we don't know whether uh, Naomi knew that, Um, and she just hadn't mentioned it, or, or, or what? We just don't know from the text. But the kinsman redeemer, the duty of marrying the deceased son, fell to the closest male relative, okay? Or if he waived his right, in this case, then to the next closest male relative. So another question that comes up is, why did Naomi send Ruth to Boaz instead of the near relative? Is it because she didn't know about the near relative? Or was it because she knew Boaz and she trusted Boaz that even if he weren't the closest of kin, that he would take care of it? Um, I'm guessing it's the latter, that, that she probably did know about the near of kin. Uh, because it, remember, Bethlehem at that point is about 200, 250 people. And you know, if you've grown up with 200, 250 people, you're going to know who's the closest, closest kid. So, so probably she preferred Boaz because of his character, his unusual kindness. And she had seen this. She had no doubt grown up with Boaz. They were probably about the same age. We don't know. Uh, maybe Boaz is a little bit younger. But she would have known him very well. So she says, spread the corner of your garment over me. And this custom is still practiced in parts of the Arab culture, where a man symbolically takes a wife by throwing a garment corner over her. Kind of an interesting, uh, interesting custom even to this day. And she uses the word, the wing or extremity, the corner of the garment. Um, and it's, it's interesting here that in Turkish the word is kanat, in Hebrew it's kanak so it's very very close to the Turkish, I, we find that every now and then that there are some uh, similarities in the language but it's the same word used as in verse 212, may the Lord repay you for what you have done may you be richly rewarded by the Lord the God of Israel and then this phrase, under whose wings same word used as as in this one, who have come to take refuge. So she is saying, in essence, um, Ruth is saying that Boaz had, had talked about Ruth and he'd said that she had come under Yahweh's wing. Now Ruth is saying, I want to come under your wing. So just as Ruth came under God's wing, now Ruth takes it a step further and she says, I want to come under your wing. I'm already under God's wing. I want to come under your wing as well. And so we see through this then um, evidences of Ruth's character, her choice of family loyalty over her own family, her own happiness. So Boaz commends Ruth for subordinating her own happiness to the family duty of providing Naomi with an heir. So he says, you know, you could have gone after the younger man. You could have had, you know, gone after romance and so on, and so on. But he says you have put family loyalty over above that of even your own happiness. She chose family loyalty instead. And one commentator says it this way: the point was that Ruth acted neither from passion nor greed; rather, sacrificially set aside personal preferences. She chose a marriage of benefit to her family. She reckoned her own happiness as such to provision of an heir for her late husband and Naomi. So that's another indication of this incredible character of Ruth. So she's called a woman of noble character. And that's the same word that was used to talk of Boaz. That Boaz was a man of character and Ruth is a a woman of character. Um, And Ruth's reputation was already well known in the village of Bethlehem. She was known for self-sacrifice, trustworthiness, industry, devotion to family. So in in her character then, her nobility, noble character, she is made an equal with Boaz. That's That's really significant to this whole story, that she started out as a Moabite coming to the land of Bethlehem, coming to Israel, a foreign nation. And now she's on an equal footing because of her character. And in 4.14, it says, The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. Now we're skipping ahead a chapter here. But it says, may he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your wife and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, Ruth, who loves you and is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. So so the women of the the town, of this little town of Bethlehem, (laughs) to quote the song, are saying that she is better than seven sons, or the ideal, have many, many sons. That was the ideal in Israel. But they're saying, she's even better than seven sons. So as Boaz saw it, Ruth's reputation had neutralized all objections to her marrying. in Verses 14 through 18. So she laid his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and put it on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, how did it go, my daughter? She's been probably pacing the floor all all night wondering how this whole thing went. Then she told her, that is Ruth, told her everything that Boaz had done for her and added, he gave me these six measures of barley saying, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. And Naomi said, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens. For the rest until the matter is settled today. So the first thing I want you to notice about this is that Boaz is protecting Ruth. Um, He says, don't let anybody know that you've come to the threshing floor. Then wait until morning. He's trying to protect her from gossip in the the town uh, of Bethlehem. And... So Boaz is, is you, know, enters into as the kinsman redeemer or the, the male relative that is in charge of the clan, he then is concerned for Ruth's reputation. He is pro- protecting her and providing for her, and that's what the clan would do. And so Ruth leaves before anyone could be reco- anyone could recognize. And, and Naomi knew. Boaz's reputation. She she knew that Boaz would do what he said he would do. So again, you have these two people with incredible character coming together in the land of Israel. And maybe part of the reason that Naomi took Ruth and went back to Bethlehem was based on the character of Boaz. And she knew that this man Boaz... Uh, would be willing to be a kinsman redeemer for their family. And there, you know, they were desperate. They had no, nothing else that they could count on but, but this entering into the clan and having the clan take care of them. So then it says that she was given, um, Boaz gave Ruth six measures of barley. Now it was probably six sias of barley, three sias ephah so it was two ephahs of barley or between 58 and 95 pounds of barley (laughs) it says it says that that uh, Boaz had to help her with a load (laughs) another you know she put out her shoulder probably he put it around her back and she you know carried it and uh, and went on home but that's a lot of grain that's a lot of weight to carry so we see, then, these two widows come to Bethlehem with nothing. Now of have two things. They have an abundance of grain. They're well provided for. As we talked about last week, you know, it was enough for a whole year of the, for the two of them, enough grain to sustain them. But now Boaz says, I will do what, you, what you've asked me. So they, ha- they have a proposal of marriage. So in just three chapters, they have gone from the place of abject poverty to a place of promise and a place of provision. So it's pretty incredible. Well, what do we learn from this chapter? What are the lessons? Well, the first thing that we've been talking about is the importance of character. That if we have godly character, um, God will elevate our status. God will elevate who we are. And it's through our character that God blesses us when we have godly character. Ruth 2.1 Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side from the clan of Elimech, a man of standing whose name was Boaz. He was a man of standing. And Ruth is a woman of standing. So Ruth's character, as I mentioned, put her on the same plane as Boaz. She went from being a you know, a, a foreigner who didn't know the customs, poor, living in poverty, to now um, the prospect of one of the two of them being a kinsman redeemer, either Boaz or the other one, whom we don't know his name. So, verse 3 11 says, Now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of noble character. As I've said, that's the same word used for Boaz. So God brings these two together who have noble character and brings them into um, husband and wife. We don't know that yet, but that's, that's what happens. And what we're talking about is that God wanted a king in Israel. Remember the story of 1 Samuel and David becomes king. David is the great grandson of Boaz and Ruth and as I read through the life of David he had an incredible character the things that he did are just amazing you know the the way that he handled his life and the character that he had well where did it come from? it came from Ruth and Boaz God bringing two people of character together in order to uh, bring this king, this king of Israel, with incredible character. And so we see a succession of godly people in this lineage Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, Judah, Rahab, David, the five godly kings in the southern kingdom of Esther, Samuel, Isaiah, Elijah, Elisha, Jeremiah, and so on and so forth. So one of the things we see that runs all through the Old Testament into the New Testament is godly character. And God is building in the Old Testament then a, 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 a kind of a, um, what am I trying to say? A, a caricature, a, a model of what good character is like. And so he, he, he shows different aspects of his character all through the Old Testament. So that when we get to the New Testament and we're called to be, be like God, we have all these wonderful examples that are given. And one of those incredible examples is Ruth and Boaz. I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful story. Charles Spurgeon said this, A good character is the best tombstone. Those who love you and were helped by you will remember you when forget-me-nots have withered. Carve your name on hearts, not on marble." Isn't that a beautiful, isn't that a beautiful uh, quote? Carve your name on hearts, not on marble. So that's what we're talking about, is the importance of good character. And of course, then we get to the New Testament and Christ is the embodiment of good character, right character. Matthew 5, 48, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. God is perfect. God calls us to be perfect, and we find those examples all through the Old Testament. Hebrews 5, 8, Though he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered, and once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. Hebrews 4, 5, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who is tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Well, we find out what that means by looking at the Old Testament and these different characters and their different lives. So, we also see in this, this incredible story of redemption, the kinsman redeemer. Just as Boaz redeemed Ruth and Naomi, paying for the land through this custom of the kinsman redeemer, now we see Christ come along Christ redeems us by pain with his own life. And the redemption will be complete on the of the Lord when not only our souls but our bodies will be redeemed. Ephesians 1.7, in him, that is in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Colossians 1.14, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, Hebrews 9, 12. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. So we see then that through this Old Testament example of what redemption is, this kinsman redeemer, then we can understand Christ more. Christ became our kinsman redeemer. He's the head of the clan. He's the he's the He's the head of the family of believers, and he gave his life. Boaz gave some money, but Jesus sacrificed his own life in order that we might have redemption through his name. He paid the ransom for our sins. The Greek word is apolutrosis, which means an action of buying back a slave or captive through payment of a ransom. So we see God then again, and, and this is what I love about the Old Testament. It just is so full of typology of Christ, pointing toward Christ, and that's what this is doing. Hebrew, uh, Romans 3.22, 2.25. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay, so we're all sinners and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Christ is our kinsman redeemer. God presented Him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in His blood. He did this to demonstrate His justice because in His forbearance, He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. So Christ then has died as a ransom to set us free from sin. Ruth and Naomi were were We're taken out of poverty and powerlessness. But Jesus brings us out of slavery to sin and brings us into, through his blood, into the presence of God the Father. Acts 26, 17. I will rescue you from your own people, from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. So what Jesus did then is that Jesus opened our eyes and turns us from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to the redemption that Jesus brings to our lives. But even though more than that, it's it's really interesting to me that as Ruth and Naomi were, were taken and brought back into the clan of Boaz, remember they went into Moab and They were there 10 years. Now God brings them out of Moab into the land of Israel and back into the clan of Boaz. Well, in that same kind of way, Jesus brings us back into God's family. God created us. We are his creation. Jesus died in order to bring us back into the family of God into a place that we should have had but, but rejected Jesus brings us into that family of God and as members of the family provision, forgiveness of sins, acceptance love as children and internal, eternal inheritance Boaz was able to provide these things for the two widows Christ provides all these things for us as his children and we can understand a lot more about this family of God by looking at Ruth and Boaz and, and uh, Naomi and what God did in bringing them out of powerlessness, out of poverty and into the very, uh, you know, into the clan of Boaz. First Peter two nine. you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So we come as God's children then, we come under God's protection. And part of being a Christian is yes that we receive Christ, we have our sins forgiven, but part of it is also that we come into this family of God and there is protection, and there's provision, and God puts us among other believers because we need it. We need each other, don't we? And we're part of the same family. I, you know, it's been a joy to me doing a lot of international travel and, and going into churches all over the world and, and just instantly... You, you're, you're among family and you know it. You know They, they welcome you and they're, it doesn't matter who you are, what your customs are, whether you know the language or not, they're going to welcome you into it because we're all part of the family of God. One of the greatest problems in American Western culture is loneliness. People are very disconnected. The depression rate is 10 times higher than in America. Suicide has, depra- has surpassed car crashes as the number one cause of death due to injury. And we're put here to connect with God and to connect with each other. And part of what's happened is that people who reject God also reject the family of God. And also re- you know, reject that, that coming together, being together as a family of God. In a study done by the Graduate School of Education at Harvard University, published in February 2021, they found that in a national survey of American adults, 36% of respondents reported serious loneliness, 36%. Feeling lonely frequently or almost all the time or all the time in the four weeks prior to the survey. And now listen, listen to this. That included 61% of young people. So 61% of young people out there in American culture are lonely. Self, you know, they rate themselves, they rated themselves as lonely. And 51% of mothers with young children, you know, you can remember that, how, how difficult it was, um, the isolation that you have. 43% of young people for increases in loneliness since the outbreak of the pandemic. So this has been this has been deeper and more profound with the pandemic. According to a recent CDC survey, 63% of the age group are suffering significant symptoms of anxiety or depression. And the study concluded, as a society we do little to emerging adults at the time when they are dealing with the most defining stressful decisions of their lives related to work, love, and identity, who to love, what to be. So what we're saying is this, God has, in this story of Ruth and Naomi, has shown us the importance of coming under the protective, under the wings of, both God and the family of God. And there are so many young people out there who are struggling with loneliness, depression, and so on. And so let's be sensitive to that. And let's reach out to those people who are lonely, who need some kind of, uh, need to come under those wings of the Lord God Almighty. Let's pray. Father, I thank you and I praise you for this beautiful story that you've given to us and I pray almighty God that you will lead us individually to those who are struggling with loneliness um, with a sense of just being scattered out and not having people to connect to Father give us sensitivity in reaching out to them and we thank you that you have called us to be part of a family of God and in that, Lord, is protection. In that calling, in that placement in a family, Lord, there's provision and, and protection and, and, and acceptance. And I thank you, Lord, for the kingdom of God and for the, the kingdom of the church, the, the, um, the, the church, which is a reflection of that kingdom of God, where we are accepted in the beloved. Give us sensitivity, Lord. Help us to make a difference out there in the world, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.
2: are dearer than all that the world can impart Was a message that came to my heart sin the atone, Calvary covers it all. Calvary covers it all. My past with sin and sin, my guilt and despair, Jesus took on him there, and Calvary covers it all. The strength that him there, and Calvary covers it all. How matchless the grace, when I looked in the face of my Jesus, my crucified Lord. took on him there, and Calvary covers it all. How blessed the thought, that my soul by him bought, shall be his in the glory on high, where with gladness and song. it all, my past with sin and stain, my guilt and despair, despair, Jesus took on him
0: Let us pray. Heavenly Father, let us learn from this story of Ruth. Let us learn that that even as outsiders, when an outsider comes in, we should reach out. We should welcome them. We should take them for their character, that not from where they are from, but rather for who they are. Thank you. Lord, let each one of us look in our hearts and try to be a little bit better each day that we can be that that as we we speak with others and we talk with others and we we listen that our hearts are open and that we can see the good that you have put there this we ask in your son jesus name Amen. Amen. amen God be with us till we meet again
2: By his counsels guide uphold you With his sheep securely fold you God be with us till we meet again.